Welcome to the Unstoppable Podcast, the official podcast of Unstoppable Domains. Join us each week to hear from leading experts in the exciting new fields of blockchain, cryptocurrency, and the decentralized web, where we talk about the future of the internet and what that means for humans like us. Not only will this podcast help you sound super smart around your friends, but you'll also learn how you can become a pioneer in this space and help lead the charge toward a more decentralized web. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Unstoppable Podcast. I'm your host, Diana Chen, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Matthew Gold, co-founder and CEO at Unstoppable Domains, and our guest today, Alex Mazmej, co-founder and CEO of the brand new social network platform to show off your NFTs, Showtime. I'm sure you've all heard about it. Uh, It recently launched on March 16th, and I'm really excited to have Alex here to talk more about it. So, hey, Alex, welcome. Hey, Jenna, Matthew. Thanks so much for being here. So I definitely want to dive into Showtime, do a really deep dive. But before we do that, I kind of want to know a little bit more about your background and how you got into crypto. So take me all the way back to when you first heard about crypto and you first got interested in it. When was that and what what piqued your interest? Yeah, for sure. So the first time I heard about crypto, I think I was literally in high school, but I, I kind of ignored it. That was like 2013 or something. I think Bitcoin was like $100. Then the real first time I heard about it is 2017. So I'm kind of like 2017 bull market promotion, I guess, where I learned about it. I learned about Bitcoin, Ethereum. It piqued my interest again, but I was like, I I didn't pick this industry to working at the time. I was doing like a 3D printing startup that didn't work out, uh, but it was a good experience. And, And so, yeah, I think 2019, fast forward, the Ethereum ecosystem and DeFi is slightly starting. I realized that crypto is low barriers to entry and that I should probably, you know, go there because it's the bear market right now. And it might be a good time to, you know, start learning about crypto and be ready for prime time, which is now, which is why I'm super excited about this bull market and showtime, because it really made all my learnings uh, be fruitful and productive. And I'm really excited about my company right now. But yeah, like in 2019, bear market, everyone was poor. I joined Meta Cartel, which is a community of young founders and entrepreneurs on the Ethereum network, uh, doing applications that are consumer facing with DAOs, NFTs, social tokens, DeFi. And so did a bunch of stuff. And then like I did like a protocol rocket, which was like uh, giving loans against NFTs. That was in start of 2020. Then... Uh, COVID happened. I came back to Paris. I was a bit broke. So I raised crowdfunded $20,000 with the Alex token to move to San Francisco. And uh, the rest of that year, I was just figuring out, doing some freelancer gigs, or I also like tried some co-founders uh, setups and settled at the end of the year on my new company, which is in NFT space. Showtime, I can talk about this uh, more. And uh, yeah, that's that's my background. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I want to dive more into the Alex token in a little bit as well. You made your own social token for people who aren't aware. We'll dive into that in a bit. But just for people listening who are new to the NFT space, how would you explain what an NFT is to someone who's new to it? So I, I guess the way I would explain uh, what an NFT is, it's it's an item online that you can own which usually doesn't really resonate with people. Like, why would you need to own something? Like, I have my own account on Twitter or Instagram or I have my own .com domain. But, like, what you can own, you can sell. And that's much more interesting now 
because you know you can actually do trading of any kind of item not just cryptocurrency but anything else right like you know blockchain is useful for crypto and, and molly like aspects but everything else is a nft and so that's that's really exciting it's the future of social media content it is the future of digital art it's the future of domain names it's the future of so many different aspects and so i find this fascinating because for the first time ever it's not just about mm -hmm. finance it's about like, you know, culture, it's about consumer facing things that everyday people care about. People have a hard time, you know, wrapping their head around finance and decentralization, but, you know, buying digital art or, you know, buying real estate, these are things that people understand better. And so uh, it's exciting to see NFTs being this Trojan horse to crypto for the mainstream. I agree 100%. It's so much more digestible now that the mainstream has gotten on board with it. So obviously, you, you've you know done a lot of learning on NFTs. You got on into the NFT and DAO world back in 2019 before anybody else really did. What are some of your favorite resources for learning more about the space, like whether it's books, articles, bloggers, Twitter people, any resources that you can help people out with? Yeah, sure. So I'm not technical, but as a developer, I would say if you go to Crypto Zombies to learn Solidity, if you read Mastering Ethereum, uh, which is a great book, you can get up to speed pretty quickly. You know, coding your first Solidity contract is not too hard. There's also ethereum.org. And then just like the, 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 the more new side, I guess, which was more your question, uh, there is the defiant.io, which is pretty good. Week in Ethereum is good too. ETHUB is also very good. And so they all cover NFTs. I would say also uh, Andrew Steinwald did a, a newsletter called Fermion on NFTs, which is really good. I think it's called Sigma Red or it's Fermion, which is this metaverse firm. I'm not sure, but Andrew Steinwald is just um, amazing at NFTs. He's one of the most popular people. And then I guess following Cooper Tully also on, on Twitter, he knows so much about NFTs. And lastly, I would say, well, A16Z, uh, the venture capitalist firm, just released the NFT Canon, which is pretty good. Uh, just has so much resources, including those I just shared about Cooper and stuff. Yeah, awesome. And for anybody who hasn't heard our episode with Cooper Turley, definitely go back and listen to that. He is, like you said, full of knowledge and so good at explaining all of these concepts as well. Last thing I wanted to ask you about before we dive into Showtime is obviously NFTs have gotten a huge push recently with a lot of mainstream artists jumping on board with it, but we've still got a long way to go before we actually reach the mainstream. And so what do you think are some of the biggest barriers to entry for mass adoption of crypto and maybe, you know, through NFTs, maybe with UX or any other big roadblocks in your mind? Yeah, there are some roadblocks, definitely. One is fiat on-ramp, which is, you know, people don't really have crypto. They need to get crypto. Not every application has fiat on-ramp enabled. Um, so getting crypto is a problem still. You know, you have to go through Coinbase. You have to verify yourself. That's, that's just friction. Then the wallet experience. It's still really hard to have a good wallet. In 2021, we still are stuck with MetaMask, which is awesome for crypto natives, but less so for people who are new to the space. Another problem is gas fees. The very fact that gas fees not only is expensive, but is for the user to pay is really weird to me. Uh, it should not be the user who pay the gas fees. Like when you order a Uber, you pay 20 cents on average to AWS 
but you will never have this, you know, like pop up of like pay AWS 20 cents. Like nothing will like this is not something that people do. It's eaten up as cost of doing business by the companies. And so that's called meta transactions. And so we need meta transactions. We need, of course, extremely, extremely cheap uh, blockchain transaction, extremely, extremely fast blockchain transaction that can also scale, right? And take billions of people at the same time. And then I guess privacy is also important right now. Like you can dox a lot of people uh, if you do enough research. And what else? So UX, wallets, Fat on ramp, privacy, that's already a lot. Um. <laughs> I think you got it covered. And I couldn't agree more on the gas prices, right? You know, at Ensemble Domains, we've always covered them from the very beginning, just because it's like, who wants to know what that is? And that's funny. I like the AWS example for Uber. So I will use that. I appreciate that. Um, Lots to go into. Uh, but I do want to dive into Showtime. So first of all, congratulations on the launch. It's Try Showtime, I believe, tryshowtime.com, right? Uh, and that you guys launched March 16th. Uh, so give us the plug. Give us the 30-second uh, elevator pitch on Showtime real quick. Sure. So Showtime is the social network's uh, for NFTs. So it is a place to discover and showcase digital assets like digital art, mostly because that's really where the hype is right now. But really, we are a social media on top of all the marketplaces that are very transactional. We really are the social place. So this is where you follow people, you like, you share, you comment on NFTs, a little bit like Instagram, really. And so this is what we're really excited about, which is we are, you know, doing a social element on top of those marketplaces. And the goal is curation because, you know, curation is really hard. There are so many NFTs already. And when the problems that we just talked about with gas fees are being solved, the number of NFTs is going to explode. And so having a social graph of, you know, accounts that you're more likely to follow or NFTs that you're more likely to like or purchase or trade with your friends if we have this social graph of recommendation, then it will be much, much better. If people could recommend their collections or share their collections of curated art that they like on one social platform, that would be really good. And so this is what Showtime is. It's the curation layer for you know, any kind of assets. And it's starting with digital art on Ethereum, but it's, it's much more broader than this. So I want to go back a little bit because I want to talk about your 2020. Sounds like you had a crazy uh, pandemic year. So I want to make sure I get the timeline right. So like you lived in France at the beginning of 2020 and then you moved to SF temporarily and then you were back to France and then and then now you're back to SF. Is that the correct timeline on, on all the like Alex Worldwide 2020? Did I get that right? Um, so it's actually even crazier than this. It's insane how, how weird this is. The timeline is... I was in San Francisco at the very start of 2020, I think, doing some conferences with like East Denver, whatever. Then in March, COVID hits. I am a French national. I have to go back to France. And then um, I'm stuck in France. I raised $20,000 for the Alex token. So I'm in France right now. I'm empowered with a little bit more money. And I'm starting to work on my move to San Francisco, legally, etc. And then, you know, crypto goes up with the DeFi summer. I get more money. And so for that reason, I'm like, well, I can afford to go elsewhere in Europe. Probably a better environment for me uh, is London. So I moved to London. And then it turns out that in London, there's this, like, I, I just meet some fun people. And there's this thing called Launch House, which is a hacker house in Los Angeles. Uh, well, sorry, it, it was in Mexico. Now in Los Angeles, it was in Mexico at the time. 
And they were like, you know, uh, why not go to Mexico? You are in Europe, but Mexico is authorized as a venue during COVID and we're going to be safe. We're going to, you know, never meet other people. You're going to get tested. And so I go to Mexico late this summer after being three months in London, uh, after being in, in France. And, you know, I was slightly in San Francisco this start of the year. And turns out that if you're more than two weeks in uh, Mexico, you are eligible to go to the U.S., and so I realized this in Mexico and I'm like, wow, like this is accelerating my timeline of moving to SF. I'm going to move to SF as a tourist for three months where I'm going to do like, you know, incorporation and like starting the procedure of, of being a founder. And in those 90 days, I meet my co-founder, I incorporate my company, I raise funding, I launch my own product. Uh, actually, not even in 90 days. It's like in the last 30 days. This was an insane timeline. And now I'm back in France temporarily. But like I'm working on my move and, and like very, very soon I will be finally in San Francisco. But it's insane how I just moved around the, the world during COVID very safely, getting tested all the time. But this was this was crazy. Hopefully settling to SF now. Well, that sounds like a lot more fun than college. So like I have to ask because you're at that age. So obviously you didn't go to college. Instead, you decided to go full time crypto or maybe you did college in there and I missed it. But, you know, definitely sounds like you had a lot more fun to do that. I'm actually kind of curious, though, what ideas did you try out last year other than Showtime on your adventure to try to find the thing that you were working on? You mentioned recently, you know, Rocket Pool. I'm actually just kind of curious, you know, what were the things that you uh, tried along there? And then how did you end up meeting your co-founder? Because that's always a, those are always interesting stories. Yeah, definitely. So, um, so yeah, the start of the year, I started Rocket, not to be confused with Rocket Pool, which is the ETH taking validator. Rocket was like a way to get loans for NFTs. Uh, it didn't go crazy well, but it was an interesting experiment. I knew, like, I had some VCs reach out to me, but I knew this wasn't really venture scale. At the time, the NFT space wasn't really big. Now, I guess NFTX, NFT5 are kind of like the vision of Rocket for like more liquidity for NFTs, but I was too early for that, so I knew that, and so I, I didn't pursue Rocket. Then I did the Alex token, and so what happened between the Alex token and Showtime is, well, first, the Alex token did really well. Uh, it really excited a lot of people, and it really sparked everyone's mind into like, oh, okay, this is the future of like investing in someone that you like and being aligned in incentives and having like a, some sort of income and reward for supporting that person early. That triggered people's mind, although it was way too early at the time, and I was kind of like the pioneer rather than like a model that could scale. And so what happened is a few months later, I tried to do like a pretty non-inspired like DeFi app, like, like Dharma, because I thought this was like good to onboard people. But, you know, I didn't really have an edge over this. It's not the good, it's not the right project for me. Like I'm a person who's like more into social media. Starting a social network probably is a better idea for me than starting a DeFi project. And we wanted to mix DeFi perks like tokens and stuff, but it was like a real debit card. It was just really hard to mix both of those worlds. And so I went to London actually initially because of starting this company with that precise co-founder, which didn't really go anywhere. And I knew I was not on the right track. And so after doing this, I just continued doing Alex tokens experiments. So I've done like a Telegram chat where you can join if you have X tokens. If you sell the Alex token, you get kicked out by the bot, which is pretty funny. Same for an email newsletter that you can access only if you own Alex tokens. So I've done a couple of things like this. I've also done like a control my life that was really clickbait where people could vote one Alex equal one vote on like my daily life habit last July, which it, it sounds super superficial, but like if you look at snapshot today, Snapchat was partly inspired by this, 
which is like, you know, gasless token weighted voting. So it's like, you know, I'm pushing the space forward, although like it was, it was pretty funny and not really serious to just like control my life. Like people could decide, like people decided that I would run five kilometers every day in July. That was quite funny. That's one way to realize that a project's not going to work. You just wake up in the morning you're like, no, I'm not going to do that. That's just crazy. It's like 100 <laughs> degrees outside. You're like, no, that's too much. So when when did the Showtime Genesis happen? Like, what was the genesis of Showtime? And where did you find uh, your co-founder for that? Why did you start it? You know, what problem were you trying to solve? So, you know, I'm trying some co-founder mismatches. Well, yeah, it didn't really work out with that co-founder, not with another one that I had meet, met that year. Uh, and so what happens is, I'm like, okay, the Alex token really worked well for me. Like I have more money now. I have a bigger network. Like this is helping me fulfill my goal, which is obviously amazing. And so how can we make the Alex token scale to billions of people? And, and the problem was the Alex token was not pegged to anything on chain. It, it still had a lot of trust, which was okay because my legitimacy was the collateral. Like my reputation was at stake. If I had failed with the Alex token, because I put my name Alex on the token, like I would have my career in crypto ruined. But for me, like I'm an exception, right? I was a little bit famous in crypto before the Alex token, like people already knew me. So it was fine, but I needed a way to get on-chain revenue so that we can do income sharing agreement on-chain in a way that is lower trust assumptions Meaning that, you know, people are, people are less likely to scam and less likely to run away with the money. And that would be a, a model that works better. And so, you know, I'm Alex Mesmesh, like, you know, getting famous on Twitter. So I needed this to be consumer facing. It's like people identify to people that they like. And so I needed this to be consumer facing and I needed this to be on chain. These are the two requirements that I kind of found out. And NFTs are exactly that. <laughs> uh, NFTs are creators and it's on-chain revenue. And so I was like, okay, well, I guess uh, starting an NFT platform would be great, but probably not a marketplace. There's so many marketplaces. It's getting commoditized now. There's Zora who does 0% fee, et cetera. So like, let's go a layer above and, and, and really have this social feature that then we can use to you know, do some creator tokens like I've done with the Alex token. And so this was the genesis of Showtime which was, you know, if we are to start this future of a creator token, which is like, by the way, like a huge leak on my roadmap, like, yes, like Showtime will, will, will have creator tokens. Uh, like the best way to do so is to get where the market is at, which is NFT getting popular because it is, you know, creator, influencer, like people look up to people. Um, so that ticks the box. And also it's, you know, trustless transactions on Ethereum. And so if we can have NFT royalties play a role into distributing your income, now you can scale the Alex token to anyone that has an account on that precise NFT platform. And so I'm building that platform and it's Showtime. That's awesome. Alex, I want to better understand how Showtime works and the kinds of people that are on it. So earlier you mentioned it's a, it's a social network for NFTs. It's sort of similar to Instagram. So the people that are on it right now, I guess, are more, would you say it's more than just the creators of the NFTs? It can be any ordinary person. Like I have no art skills. I'm never going to create an NFT probably, but I can still be on Showtime and I can be engaging, liking, commenting, sharing, all of these NFTs are also displaying the NFTs that I own so that, you know, maybe what I can meet other people through it, like check out, oh, like you, you have a similar 
artistic style or similar taste to me. Like we should be friends, um, something like that. Like who who's using Showtime right now? And then what do you envision as like the ultimate demographic or user group on Showtime? Definitely. Uh, that's a great question. So on Showtime currently, anyone can log in. Even if you're not in crypto, you can just sign in with email. It's it's magic. You know, you get a link, you log in, and we actually generate uh, an Ethereum address on the back end, but like the user doesn't know about it. Like it's awesome. You log in with email. You can start liking items. You can start customizing your profile. Um, you can't upload content, right? You, you can't mint NFTs because it's not a good ex user experience, as we discussed. But, you know, you can start engaging with the platform. What we see in the platform as the most popular people, though, are crypto natives. Because, you know, like you want to display your own collection and those are NFTs being minted. And NFTs being minted right now are by artists, by creators, by people who do those types of content. And so, yes, the major, like 95% of Showtime users are, you know, precisely digital creators and collectors of art. That's that's the, the main the main user base right now. But yeah, our plan is to obviously move beyond that. You know, uh, Ethereum is about to get more scalable very soon. Um, it's other blockchains are about to make it more scalable as well. And so once this technology scales and we can do NFTs for you know much less friction, then definitely it will be much much more broader than digital art, and will look a little bit more like a social media with like different niches. Got it. And so on the back end, does it automatically pull the NFTs that a creator owns or that a, a buyer owns and adds them to Showtime? So like if I just as a buyer, if I just put in my Ethereum address, will that automatically pull all the NFTs that I own from all these different platforms? And then same with creators. Like if, if you're a creator and you've got art on Super Rare and Foundation and Nifty Gateway and all these different places, will it automatically pull them all into Showtime? Exactly. Yep. This is precisely the thing. We take every single NFTs. We are above everything. And if it fulfills the ERC-721 standard, it's it's on Showtime. We even have like foundation. They had like layer, they had layer two NFTs. We integrated them as well. CryptoPunks, they're not exactly the ERC-721 standard. We still got them. So we're working on missing items. Uh, if users have missing NFTs, please reach out to me. But yeah, we are we are really above every single platform. So that collectors, which can try usually multiple platforms, um, can see all the collection all at once. Got it. Yep. And then you mentioned that in the future, you know, it's not just going to be digital art. There's going to be way more than that. So I'm, I'm just curious to hear from you, like, where do you see the NFT market moving towards in the future? Right now, we're kind of seeing, you know, like all these big musicians, Grimes came out, Kings of Leon, all these people. And then you've got like the random Pizza Hut and Charmin toilet paper and, you know, random companies wanting to get in on the game, too. Where do you see NFTs being maybe in like, I mean, I don't even want to say years. I want to say maybe six months just because it's moving that fast. Got it. Yeah. So the next six months is every single social media type is going to be replicated into a NFT platform. So we already are seeing, you know, BitCloud replicating Twitter and, and Showtime is doing the same with NFTs and Glass is doing the same for YouTube and Mirror is doing the same for Substack. We are, the NFT world is eating social media. We are eating Instagram, so we are doing visual content. And so the next six months for Showtime, if we can manage to, you know, uh, have, you know, frictionless NFT creation, then there will be also photos, videos, memes, any format that is visual. And so this is our format, but you can already see from the other platforms that there are, you know, other protocols and products 
working on replicating social media for NFTs on different things. In the multiple years timeframe, it won't be social media, it will be virtual reality, but it's a bit too early for now for NFT and VR uh, to, to like, you know, coincide in the metaverse vision, but that's like in multiple years. But as of this year, NFTs is going to eat every single social media. Tell me about what's in store for Showtime for the remainder of 2021. Is it just continuing to grow the audience? Do you have any new cool new features coming out? Anything you want to plug there? Yeah, so the master plan of Showtime, we are right now at step one of the master plan, which is, you know, build a platform that people love that is an Instagram for NFTs. And so we're well on our way to do that. We have lots of amazing feedback. People are excited about Showtime. It's still very, very early, though. We only launched two weeks ago. That's the first master plan step. Then, you know, as I, you know, suggested, uh, there will be, you know, creator tokens uh, for, for creators. That's a big, big step of this year. And a mobile app as well. If you're a mobile engineer, please, please apply. Uh, we're excited to hear from you. But yeah, like, you know, if you're copying Instagram, at least for the very first product, probably we need to have a mobile app for the experience to be good. Yeah, I think that would be a great first step. If, if people love Showtime and we got them away from Web 2 to Web 3, that's really exciting. And then we can do the creator tokens and like decentralized social media protocol ideas that you know, are, are good. But so, so far, the, the keeping the mental models of people in Web 2, getting them to Web 3 is amazing. Because even if you send via email, we create you an Ethereum address without you knowing. So we are onboarding right now tons of people to Web3 without them knowing. And, and that is how we cross the chasm. We don't cross the chasm by teaching people to use MetaMask, right? We cross the chasm by letting them use a product that is as good as Web2, even better than Web2. And then they realize, oh, wow, I'm in this new paradigm now where I can sell NFTs, I can invest in other people. There's like tons of great use cases. Yeah, for sure. And so something else I want to talk about is as we think about NFTs long term, it's so much more than what people see today with artists creating NFTs that are selling for a lot of money. There's also social tokens like you talked about creating Alex and then there's DAOs and there's uh, curation, which you briefly mentioned earlier. So I kind of want to tie all of these together. One quick question about Alex before we move on is. Looking back on that whole experience now, is that something that you would recommend that people try and do create their own social token? Or do you see this becoming the norm in the long run? Like everybody will have their own social token or reflect on that a bit and let us know your thoughts on that. Yeah, definitely. So what I've done is really special because I did this on my own pretty much and in the wild before anyone else. And so I'm definitely like an exception here. And that benefited me because I had the, you know, first move advantage. It was exciting. It did some media headlines and stuff. But yeah, like I would suggest people do that. Of course, not as I did, but in a standardized manner. So on a platform like Showtime in the future or BitCloud or Rally.io or Convice.co, you know, a platform like this. Will everyone in the world do this? I don't think so. I think a ton of people will do it, kind of like streamers, right? Like there's a lot of people streaming on Twitch. I'm not streaming on Twitch. Uh, you probably aren't streaming on Twitch. And so it's going to be a little bit like this, right? Not everyone will create like a stock for themselves on, on those platforms. But I assume like at least dozens of millions of people that will in turn be followed by billions of people. So will everyone create their token? No. 
Will everyone invest in some way or another in someone who created their token? Yes. Looking back to like, what types of people would you say can benefit most from creating their own token as people are listening to this and wondering, you know, like, well, is it, am I the right person for this? Should I create my own token? Like, and then if they decide to, like, what are some of your biggest tips for how to be successful with it? I think, you know, if you are Kanye West or Beyonce or Lady Gaga, like if you're like top, top player, like you don't have a huge need for this. I think, you know, uh, creator tokens are a little bit what equity is to startups. It's good to use it if you have growth potential. And so the people who will use it the most is the very long tail of people who are not at the top of the world. And so, you know, this is why, for instance, people who took the NFT space by storm are, you know, Blau, RAC, and Beeple. None of those are superstars, but they grew a ton with the NFT space. It, like, it became an edge for their artistic career to use a new tech stack, right? And so the same will be true for creator tokens. The, the key here is that if you have growth potential, like you are a good investment by definition, which means that it's, it's worth it to maybe trade short-term a bit of your short-term income to have a much bigger distribution and to get people incentivized into it. The same way that entrepreneurs and investors are aligned through equity, a creator and their community are aligned through their personal token. And so another type of social token that's going to come out of all of this too, in addition to personal tokens, are community tokens. And you sort of alluded to that. So, And we actually did see that recently with the People Pleaser, the Uniswap V3 NFT that came out. There was a DAO that was formed just for the purpose of buying that. Is that something that you you see being commonplace in the long run? Is a lot of people pulling together to buy something either for a cause that they believe in or, you know, if they just really like the artwork or whatever the, the case is there? Yeah. Definitely. Um, this is the future of communities for sure. So DAO is a geeky world, but that's, that's a Facebook group with a bank account, right? Like this is uh, the future of communities, of forums. Uh, we saw this with Reddit and, you know, GameStop, which is kind of crazy, but, you know, it's a group of people with one goal, whether it's, you know, buying the GameStop stock or whether it's buying the people pleaser NFT. Definitely, yeah, this will not probably be on the Showtime roadmap because we're more like creator focused, but community tokens like, you know, Friends with Benefits by Cooper Tully and, and Trevor are an amazing example of what a community can, can do together. And so definitely, yeah, it's the future. You know, we are replicating social media. And so, of course, you know, Reddit, Facebook groups, you know, forums, they are essential pieces of how we communicate as humans. And they will go through the Web3 treatment, <laughs> you know, uh, just like everything. Yeah, and I do want to talk about this, like, concept of community a little bit more, too. Maybe without getting too deep into DAOs, but I think they are relevant, is essentially in the future, you can invest in individuals, you can invest in companies, and anybody can do this. You don't have to be a VC to invest in a company. And so for creators, what this means is that you don't need to be well-connected. You don't need to, you know, maybe come in with a lot of money and have access to the top investors in order to get somewhere. Anybody, it's it's a fair, even playing field for everybody as long as you have the merits and you have enough people on board with whatever it is that you're trying to create. And then on the individual side, it's like everybody has a say 
in what our social ecosystem looks like, you know, what the, what kinds of music are big out there, what kinds of artwork are big, what kinds of companies we want to see out there. Do you agree with all of this? Am I missing anything? Fill in the gaps for us. Yeah, yeah definitely. I think the cool part about enabling social, and, and this is the problem in crypto, like if you look at it, like, you know, if you read the Ethereum blockchain or the Bitcoin blockchain, there is zero social data. There is no likes, there is no following, like there is no way to know what is popular or not. And so once we figure that out, we can then have curation. So curation and social go hand in hand, you know, uh, basically like social is curation at scale, right? You don't need like a, a green list to accept people. Uh, you don't need like to be like OpenSea listing everything uh, and being like a very noisy platform. Um, you can use social to curate. And so that's, that, yeah, that, that's the point I'm making, which is they, they go hand in hand. Yeah, I think uh, it's um, super interesting how this will evolve and we just are going to gather more data. And this is why, like, you know, Showtime, like right now, like it's, it looks, and even BitCloud, like it looks a bit clunky and early because we frankly don't have that much social data. Uh, we are gathering that data right now. Like we are, we are getting more followers. We are recreating the social graph that was imprisoned by Facebook and we are like creating an open one uh, well, first decentralized for us, but we're going to decentralize it later on. Creating that takes time. You know, we are breaking up Facebook. Well, we are recreating Facebook in a better way, uh, but it's going to take a long time. So, yeah. Yeah. And so something that we've speculated about on the podcast in the past is exactly how social media platforms will look in the future. Do you think it's going to be a combination of the Web 2 social platforms and Web 3 platforms? Or do you see it completely moving towards all decentralized platforms in the future. And then, you know, at, at the same time too, I know Showtime still has the capability to like, comment, share, which is which are things that we're familiar with on Web2 platforms. But in the future, do you see these functions getting replaced by, you know, investing in a social token? Like instead of liking your post on Instagram, I'll invest in, you know, like two Alex, I'll give you two Alex tokens for this post that I really like. So for the first question, I think we're give, we're definitely going to eat up Web two. That that is the goal, and you know, like it, it's not like building a rocket or you know doing like gene engineering. Like we are doing consumer software. It's not super hard to replicate in the Web three space, especially as crypto scales. Like seeing BitCloud, Glass Protocol, Commonwealth, and Showtime. Of course, I'm biased. Like overcoming and creating new social protocols. Like they are going to eat up Web two faster than we think. And there will be no space for Web2. And, you know, it's probably wise for Facebook to target VR and Oculus headset because they will be losing this battle. Like they have 15,000 employees focused on like the advertising business model. They can't pivot the company around. It's too, it's too late for them. And so the Web2 companies are basically going to die for social media feed. Like this is, crypto is the future. It's, I am so certain of this. And... Yeah. And then the second question was about, you know, the user's behaviors. Of course, you know, Showtime is Web2 right now in, in their interactions like likes, comments, sharing, follow. I can't share about the roadmap, but yes, there will be, you know, creator tokens and things like this. We are so excited to release this. But, you know, starting with a middle ground between the NFT revolution and things that we already know already, like liking, commenting and liking and sharing is is good. Uh, we definitely need that. And it's just much easier for people. Well, Alex, I have enjoyed watching your journey this past uh, year or two. And I really 
like that there are people out there like you who are super excited about coming into the crypto space. One of the things is like, you know, you're young, you're the next generation of people coming up working on these things. And I always just like to plug to younger people to get into this space sooner rather than later. And what do you say to other people, you know, your age, your demographic, thinking about joining into crypto? Would you say it's less risky? Is it more risky? You know, what made you make the dive? And, and how do we help convince more people? Because there's a desperate need right now for talent in this space like we're hiring i know you're hiring everybody's hiring in crypto right now how do we how do we plug to get more people in i think crypto is probably the best opportunity if you are outside of you know if you're in silicon valley and you have like a stanford cs degree you can probably go elsewhere than crypto if you want to you know create a positive impact for society uh, if you're outside of very very privileged asian or silicon valley demographics especially with the remote world, the best way you can do an impact in the world right now is accelerate crypto transition. And so joining a crypto startup, uh, I'm European. Like we don't have a culture of innovation. We don't have much VC funding. We don't have crazy talents, but with crypto and going remote, you can have an impact from anywhere in the world and you can help bring this new financial ecosystem to replace the former ones built by our great grandparents make the world better, be wealthy quickly, because of course, like crypto is, you know, a wealth, a generational wealth opportunity. So I think crypto is a total no brainer. Like when I joined, it was maybe a little bit more risky because DeFi was kind of unproven. There was like 300 million in DeFi and, you know, Bitcoin was like 2K or 3K, it was 2019. I guess I took a little bit more of a carrier bet, but like every day that passes, we are more confident of this Web3 future and it's not going anywhere. And so I think the next five years are really, really amazing because extraordinary growth opportunity to join a crypto startup or to start your own. And second, like you're going to get wealthy. And three, like it's just, it just won't fail. Like in one way or another, like this is going to work. And so it, it would be a no brainer for me. If you are a young person starting your career, this is the thing you have to do. Um, it's like, yeah, I agree. I agree hundred percent. You know, innovation is the only way to win. Right. And you might as well get in and start innovating yourself uh, earlier rather than later. So, but you know, really, really enjoy the story. And I think it's a strong plug. So people out there, basically everyone is hiring in crypto <laughs> across the board. It is a huge space for opportunity. Uh, and it's great for outsiders too, because it's a way in. So we're getting to the end here. Diana typically uh, handles our explain your tweet. So I'm going to pass it back over to her. Diana, you got some tweets for us that you've dug up on Alex and we can get him to tell us what his thoughts were. Yeah, yeah, I do. I hope you're ready for this, Alex. I just have a few tweets here that I dug up. I try to make this, you know, these cryptic or funny or interesting tweets. The first one, this is just from yesterday. So this should be fresh in your mind. You tweeted, I don't like gaming. Real life is more fun. Crypto turns real life into gaming. That I'm excited about. I've never been a gamer either. And, you know, a lot of people, I think, myself included, before I got into the space, thought of crypto as just like for gamers and finance geeks. But it's so much more than that. So tell us what you meant by that tweet. Definitely. I'm really excited, actually, by that tweet. This is a very fun section of the podcast. So, yeah, like I don't really like gaming. Um, gaming appeals to a certain kind of people like, you know, computer science style people. And it, it's, it's awesome. Like you can make friends there and stuff. But, you know, if you don't have a friend in gaming, you're not likely to be gaming. But everyone is alive, so like life is the game that we're playing. And I guess, you know, if you look at the game that life is, it's basically capitalism and like, you know, the, the roots or incentives that society put in place. With crypto, you can modify all of those, right? 
someone will create, hopefully, and I think this is why crypto is so important for the world, um, an incentive where you will get some cryptocurrencies, like let's say green, if you help the environment. And so you are creating this world game where if you help the environment and solve climate change, you will get wealthier in that cryptocurrency. And same for any other types of incentive. And so, you know, this is crypto enormous thing. It's like you can create any incentive that you want and, and you can modify the world that way. And so crypto will probably help solve climate change because a multi-billionaire philanthropist is going to do this, this thing where like he will put billions into a cryptocurrency whose explicit goal is to improve the environment or to do something else, like to, you know, get vaccinated for COVID or, you know, do something cool and fun and not like, you know, a world problem. This is what I mean by, uh, you know, it turns the world into gaming. It's like any incentive, any goal can be done with real economy and real money. And it's much, much more exciting than gaming in my mind. I really like that take. It's gaming is basically just incentives and rewards, right? And so you've turned that into real life scenarios. I really like that. Okay, so the next tweet I have is from March 8th. You said, this was my thesis since day one. NFT is the front end, DeFi is the back end. Although its volume is relatively minuscule, NFTs already have made way more impressions than DeFi. I would agree with this, but why do you think this is? Obviously, we had DeFi summer last last year and then you know, a lot of people are getting into DeFi recently, but what is it about NFTs that have caught the attention of so many more people than even DeFi? Well, the reason is, so NFTs right now is art, digital art. And, you know, like in the world, like how many people care about finance? Like, you know, pretty smart people, pretty educated people on usually first world countries. So let's say like maybe 10% people at most, and I'm very generous, probably less. Like, who cares about culture, like media, art, movies, literally everyone on this planet, whether you're rich or poor, wherever you are in the world, whoever you are, you at least care about music, art, like something like this, right? No one is a robot working all the time. We all have times when we want leisure and any kind of leisure technically is art in some forms uh, or, or like sports, I guess. And actually, you know, trading basketball cards and football cards is also a huge NFT use case. So literally every single leisure that any humans ever had is an NFT use case. And so this is why it's way, way more popular than DeFi because the total number of people interested in finance is not very large. Uh, we don't need that number to be large. If we create a sound financial system, it will just work. Right. But people leisure, it's literally everyone. Like even I'm sure like, you know, it's all teams is, is extremely hardworking. Like you probably heard some music once, right? Like it's just, and it could be an NFT use case, right? So this is why. A hundred percent. I agree a hundred percent. All right. Well, thanks so much, Alex, for entertaining my explain your tweet segment and being on the podcast, giving us your time today and telling us a little bit more about Showtime. Before you go, one last thing, tell people where they can find you if they want to connect with you personally, follow your awesome tweets and where they can go to learn more about Showtime. Thank you so much. So uh, the way you go to Showtime is tryshowtime.com. The Twitter is at tryshowtime. And then you can contact me at Alex Mesmej, M-A-S-M-E-J on both Twitter and Telegram. Perfect. Thanks so much, Alex, for being here. Thanks, Matt, for co-hosting with me as always. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in. And we'll be back again soon with another episode of the Unstoppable Podcast. Thanks so much for having me, guys.
We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Unstoppable Podcast. If something we said today resonated with you, please rate, subscribe, and download our podcast and share this episode on social media with your network. And remember, the fun doesn't have to stop when the episode ends. You can continue this conversation with us on Twitter by tweeting your questions, thoughts, and ideas to Unstoppable Web. We look forward to chatting with you and thanks again for listening.